You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back, folks. It's 12.09, and the transition of power in the state of Louisiana has happened at noon today. Uh, uh, Jeff Landry, no longer governor-elect. He is governor of the great state of Louisiana, and congratulations to him, his wife, his family, and and others, and as well as to Representative de Villiers. He is the Speaker of the House. Senator Cameron Henry uh, is now the President of the Senate. So uh, the power structure and the authoritative structure of the state of Louisiana is in, is in place, intact, and moves forward from this point forward. We're joined by Robert Hogan, Professor and Department Chair of Political Science at LSU, as well as Dave Cohen, WWL News Director. And it not only moves forward, but it takes a hard right. There's no doubt (laughs) that the leadership of this state has just turned severely to the right. And we'll see what that means. And again, we may see as early as this hour some executive orders from now Governor Landry, who clearly made the right decision, by the way, to not be outside at the state (laughs) capitol right now. I mean, if this is if this is an indication of things to come, he's batting a thousand. (laughs) Yeah, good decision, because winds are gusting near 40 miles an hour from Baton Rouge to New Orleans right now, Uh, even though it looks like most of the rain is let up and we're getting a little break in it now. Could you imagine if they were trying to hold this inauguration outside of the state capitol? In In fact, if you recall... Uh, Governor John Bet Edwards, in his second inaugural inauguration, was in the rain. Uh, actually, I, I was there in the rain. I can attest to it. That was the day of the LSU and the national championship the national at the Superdome. Yeah. They, they did not have an inaugural ball that evening. Uh, everyone left that cel- that inauguration, that celebration, got in their cars and headed to New Orleans for the <laughs> for the uh, national championship game. I remember it like it was yesterday. And LSU won it. And LSU won it, absolutely. So, Robert, uh, obviously there are a number of other issues that he talked about, uh, and we, I think, have some snippets of what he's saying uh, relative. Uh, Dave, first up is what, crime? Crime was one of the most resounding issues. While he didn't touch on many specifics, as he did in the campaign, he did make clear that crime would be a focus of his administration. I have learned by listening to the voices of those that long to be heard. And I sadly hear the victims of crime whose compelling voices have gone unheard for far too long, squelched by the misguided noise of those that would rather coddle to criminals than live in peace. And I mince no words about the consequences I feel are wholly appropriated for those who commit violent crime in our state. For it comes from listening to innocent victims of the senseless, uncivilized, and outrageous violence that too many have suffered. Families ripped apart, 
loved ones taken from us by people with no conscience who do not deserve the privilege of freedom. And this where Landry was most specific in what was obvious criticism of the previous administration, talking about how tolerance of crime must end. We owe no higher obligation as public service servants than to fix this, to fix it now and to fix it for good. To Michelle and Cortez, I say, may God rest his hand on your heart. And I pledge to do everything I can to possibly make this state safer. And this one area where it'll be interesting to see if there are not. And to bring an end to the misguided, deadly tolerance for crime and criminals that plague us. Misguided, deadly consequences. Those words specifically, I think, addressing the criminal justice reform under the prior administration of John Bell Edwards. Professor Hogan? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, th that is something that, that Edwards was criticized for. Um, of course, it was a bipartisan uh, effort uh, in order that, that was put into place. This was not a, any sort of unilateral effort by Edwards. This was uh, legislation that was passed um, to, to alter um, some of the, the sentencing and, and, other, and other issues having to do with, um, with crime uh, and punishment. Um, a couple thousand people were released from, from prison, nonviolent um, uh, uh, nonviolent criminals. Uh, and um, I mean, Jeff Landry has utilized you know the crime issue um, throughout as Attorney General, um, and um, certainly throughout the campaign is something he wanted to to, to have an influence on. Of course, the the difficulty that he has is that the crime problem is not as bad as it was. Crime has been going down. Um, this the the spike in crime was. In, in many ways due to at least the sociologists tell us to to some of the issues involving the pandemic and we've actually seen pretty big decreases in crime um, across the United States as well as in Louisiana and so without that I think it's going to maybe a little difficult to get people to accept uh, major changes at least to how the, the state deals with with that issue the other aspect of this too is gets back to what we were referring to earlier and that is um, these are not issues that are easy to solve, <laughs> like economic development or a more educated populace. Um, it, it, it's, these are things that, um, that are very difficult to address in any concrete way um, to bring about results that will be observable in the near future. This is a problem that all that all governors face. Um, they are asked to try to solve problems that have that are not easily solved in just a few years. Um, and then the results of it are not seen for, for maybe decades later, uh, long after the governor is no longer governor. Yeah. You know, the, I, for me, especially after serving 40 years in law enforcement, um, I hear exactly what, what the governor is saying. And again, I would say this falls into the category for me of too far, too fast. Um, whenever we uh, engaged in criminal justice reform, we talked about savings that we would have and that we would be reinvesting that into programs. And part of the problem is, is that 
We don't really know what programs we reinvested in. We don't know how much we reinvested in. And we know we have no evidence-based outcomes of the success or failure of any of these uh, programs. And I think folks become frustrated in the interim. And in this case, I think in many cases you add to that things that are outside of the state's control. For example, when uh, the DA, Jason Williams, came in, um, I would definitely label him too far, too fast. And, you know, I'm not going to charge juveniles. Uh, I'm not going to triple bill. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You campaign in poetry to your base. You govern in prose. And the moment in time that you start facing victims um, and victims start telling their stories and the media start embracing victims and allowing them and giving them time to tell their stories, it's a tough pill to swallow and a lot of times, and I've said this on my show a lot, we, the moment that you are no longer kind of victim-centric in your approach, you're going to lose the public. And I think that's kind of the crossroads where we're at. Now, how far this legislative body is willing to go in eroding criminal justice reform is going to be telling. I think it's going to be real telling about the next four years. Um, because part of the challenge that you have, and Robert, you know this as uh, probably better than anyone, is that when you start locking up more people, it starts costing you more. You got to have more guards, more prison beds, and they don't have them. And it, they don't have the human capital, and they don't have the physical infrastructure right now. In fact, they've closed down a number of facilities because they were antiquated, they they weren't maintained appropriately. Uh, and they did so in, in a fairly, I think, judicious manner. And then you couple that with this governor has yet to make a choice as to who's going to lead corrections, which is also yeah. probation and parole, which is the juvenile justice authority. Um, you know, you have a lot of uh, very critical positions that are out there that, that will impact crime and, and, and how you're going to deal with the management of really what we have is an over-offender problem. We offend at a rate in Louisiana higher than a lot of other states. And, you know, that's an issue that you have to come to grips with as well. Well, and one of the things, though, and this was, I think, the most clear writing on the wall in this inaugural address about what we should expect. We've heard that the governor has been considering a special session specifically on crime. And when he uses words like we have to bring an end to the misguided and deadly tolerance for crime and criminals that plagues us, clearly he has some intention of doing something and something soon, whether it's through this special session on crime, whether there are some uh, orders that he issues here in the first days of his administration or not. But clearly he does not feel like the policies of the past have worked when he calls them misguided and deadly. Yeah. No. Yeah, that, that special session, I think, is going to be very important to see. If you want to see his priorities, that's, you know, January 15th is, uh, well, I, was, I guess a special session for that is February 19th, I think is what it is. So yeah. it's in, in February, we'll see pretty soon where his priorities are on this issue. But, um, I mean, it's, it's a difficult situation. I mean, the, 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 the system is underfunded in many ways. You uh, talk absolutely. about prisons, you talk about enforcement. And you want to ask people uh, to pay.
pay more uh, for that, uh, more prisons. And then there's also the whole idea of the, the, lo- the lock them up culture, I mean, which in Louisiana, that's, that's all we've used for a very long time. Um, and the state got a lot of criticism for being um, the, you know, the, the prison capital of the world. And uh, that, 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 that don't help you very much on the economic development front, let me put it that way. Uh, and and uh, so you've got you've got multiple problems here. And I don't mean to again, I don't mean to be pessimistic, um, but every governor starts out hoping for a new Louisiana. Um, and a lot of those lists that Louisiana is on, you know, the bad lists were always at the top, the good lists at the bottom. Um, the chances are four years from now, eight years from now, we're going to be, be very somewhere in, in that same place. The only hope is that you get a governor who is able to make reforms, who set us out on a, on a path where 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're, we're in a better place. And that's hard to do. Absolutely. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. I know we lose you at this point in time. Stay safe up there as these storms move through. Robert Hogan, professor and department chair of political science at LSU. We really appreciate your time and your insight. Have a great week. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. I'm Newell Norman. He's Dave Cohen, WWL News Director. We'll be right back. We'll talk about oil and gas and healthcare. Hear what the governor had to say about that after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. I'm joined by Dave Cohen, WWL News Director. We've been talking about the inaugural address by now Governor Jeff Landry. He took uh, assumed power at noon uh, this afternoon. 
had to move the inauguration because of the weather. And as we were kiddingly saying earlier, he's batting a thousand because yeah. that was a wise decision. First obviously. decision of his administration was <laughs> the best one so far, no yeah. doubt. Um, I, I did want to address one thing about what what's going to be interesting to see in the special session uh, relative to crime. Uh, a lot of what he describes and what he described in his inaugural address uh, really falls within judicial discretion and DA discretion. And it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he's going to be willing to take that on. Uh, because there's a lot of discretion there from the setting of bond to, you know, evidentiary rulings, this, that, sentencing, the whole nine yards. When he talks about this coddling of, um, you know, of criminals and this senseless, uncivilized, and outrageous violence, you know, leading to too many people suffering. What you're seeing, and you, you've reported on these stories here in New Orleans, and what victims are saying is that they are in complete disagreement with the way the DAs are handling these mm -hmm. cases and the discretion that they exercise in uh, not prosecuting cases and having this recidivism rate. Uh, come out, you know, not as, prosecuting it, juveniles as adults. Exactly, and the same thing in in the judiciary. Um, it, it's so much yeah, so low bonds. You know, I've short said sentences. I've said many times. I, I I'm ready for the if X then Y system. We do sentencing reform. If you commit this crime, you get this time. Plain and simple. You don't have this five to ninety nine ten. 10 to 30 years for this crime. You remove this because that way we remove this argument about disproportionate impact, disproportionate treatment. There's no disproportionality any longer. If X, then Y. And we can move on to something else because I, I don't, as a law enforcement guy, I'm, I'm sick and tired of talking about those issues because, as I said before, what I recognize is that we have an over-offender problem. We have too many offenders. And, you know, but no one seems to want to talk about that issue. And I, I applaud him for his approach. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, what details uh, flush, flush out here. Um, and there, there's been so few specifics. We don't know if addressing some of that leeway that judges have, that district attorneys have, will be part of this special session on crime. No, we, we don't. We don't know because Landry did not have to because of his dominance from beginning to end during the campaign, was never confronted by having to provide any specifics on policies that he planned to enact or laws that he sought to pass. So in many ways, we're dealing with a huge mystery here. We know the basics. We know the fundamentals. But we don't know the how. We don't know the when. So it'll be very interesting to see. Again, we could momentarily... Uh, there may be executive orders that have already been drafted that we'll see today, and we will get a better idea once the call for that special session on crime is issued by the now governor's office. Uh, but, you know, that discretion is, is a delicate thing. It's so political in nature. He doesn't appoint a single judge as governor. He can influence the election They're of all judge, independently judges. elected. Yeah. And so he can get involved in those elections. He can get involved in district attorney elections. Uh, but as you know better than most, even if you try to remove some of that discretion, 
The district attorneys, though, still have the power to decide what charges to bring. Sure, there's more than one way to indict for what to indict them for what to charge with, with what to charge them. There's more than one way to skin a cat. But what's telling is is that as a precursor to bringing Louisiana State Police down here in whatever fashion, shape, or form, which he's already announced one, he will do. One of uh, the compelling arguments that has been presented by the Louisiana State Police in not really coming down here in force is the treatment that they receive from the district attorney relative to their cases. And, you know, they had a lot of their cases fall out. Um, and I, I reviewed a lot of applications for search warrants. I, I reviewed a lot of arrest uh, cases as to whether or not there, there was probable cause for the arrest. And, and you know, DA was saying no, and I'm looking at it, and it's like, you know, one, I'm a lawyer, two, I was a sheriff, and I reviewed that daily. Uh, something was amok, and, you know, they feel like we're, we're risking our lives. We're doing things down there trying to make a difference, but for whatever reason, because we're the Louisiana State Police, our cases aren't being given uh, the deference that they should be given and the credit that they should be given and the quality of the arrest that we're making. So they say, well, we can resolve this problem. We'll cut a deal. We'll have the attorney general. Right. That, and that was going to be my next you know. question. Does that solve that by having now Attorney General Liz Merle's office get to decide which cases to prosecute and how to prosecute them on arrests made by state police operating I, in Orleans Parish? I think the feeling, Does that solve that problem? I think the feeling and the theory is, is that we're removing all the political considerations, all the home cooking we're down there. We're going to make arrests. We're going to do what we need to do, and we need to make sure that these cases get aggressively and forcefully prosecuted to the extent of the law. That doesn't mean that we're going to go out and run around and, and violate people's constitutional rights, but the fact of the matter is is that the, the, the stri- strategy that we're going to deploy, we don't want people that uh, disagree with our strategy and take it out on the cases because we're risking our lives. And we can't be in that in that sandbox any longer. And I really believe no one's really talking about this, but I really believe that's why that happenstance occurred. And it's hard. And they and kudos to not only Liz Mural but Jeff Landry for for having this take effect in advance of coming into office because the the reality is this was going to be a, a big sticking point. I think for members of the Louisiana State Police uh, in, in coming down here, you know, in, in dealing with some really difficult issues. And, and that the fact that the district attorney, Jason Williams, is on board and decided, yeah, I'll step back and let the AG make these decisions on the arrest by state police was very eyebrow raising for many who, when you talk about too far, too fast, the district attorney was a very different candidate than he is now a district attorney, and no one could have imagined when he was running for DA he ever would have agreed to anything like this. Let me tell you, the moment in time as an elected official that you're sitting across the desk from victims whose life have been impacted forever, and there's no retreat, there's no going back, there's no do-over, there's no backstroking, Life changes for you as the elected official, and it's changed for them in a disastrous way. And it's hard, hard to leave those meetings and not reflect upon decisions that you've made day in and day out. And if it's easy, you're not human. 
you have no empathy, you have no sympathy, you know, and you begin to wonder about what is the best course of action. You know, we always hear about over-incarceration, over-criminalization, and this, and that's why I bring it up all the time. I'm not trying to be insensitive. How about over-offending? I mean, let, let's focus on that, you know? And why do innocent victims, taxpaying citizens of the state or country or otherwise, why do we have to bear the brunt of some other idiot's conduct? We shouldn't. And it's uncalled for. And, and I think that, that tough talk, that tough language, and, and hopefully the follow-through and the special session on crime, and I hope they put a lot of things on the table, not necessarily to pass, but to have an open discussion about, you know, and as a follow-up of in, in the regular session of bills coming forward. There's going to be some of the most fascinating committee hearings that we've seen in the state capitol in a long, long time if we do have those frank, open conversations and get to see science and practice and track records presented and arguments from all sides to determine what is the best course of action. Well, consider the following. If you followed anything about what's going on in California, who made our criminal justice reform look like kindergarten material next to what they did and look at what the outcome has been has anybody said it's rosy <laughs> I mean, even the biggest advocates of that out there are retreating uh off of it because it's not and it and it's not revealed itself in a, in a very positive productive way it's been socially and economically and disastrous it's been an economic disaster their story after story and this is not just right-wing think tanks reporting on it i mean this is the right the left the center everyone reporting on this on this eventuality and and reality of of the um of not only the philosophy but the statutes that they changed and and the like we shall see how quickly now Governor Jeff Landry acts and if he is able to be successful in undoing the reforms of the previous administration that he labeled dangerous and deadly in his inaugural address. So that will be one of the most interesting, intriguing, and honestly, probably life-changing uh, aspects of this administration's first months in office. Yeah, especially early onset in the administration and obviously setting the course on this issue that a lot of, that's at the forefront of a lot of people's minds uh, right now. Why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll talk about energy and health care, uh, which are two other issues that he discussed in his inaugural address. When we return, Dave Cohen, WWL News Director, Newell Norman here. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Well, a lot of people texting in saying that they hope they have an opportunity to listen to Jeff Landry on this show. Well, we've made the invitation available to him to have a monthly show here for one hour a month, if he so desires. We've not yet heard back from his administration. Uh, obviously, he's very busy in the transition period. We understand same, but that uh, that that has been made that offer has been made available uh, to them to come on the show to talk about these issues. So let's talk about a little more, Dave, of things that he covered in in the inaugural address. Yeah, we've talked about his focus on education that he outlined uh, last night during his address. We talked about his desire for openness and wanting input from all corners to find the best solutions to problems in Louisiana. We talked at length about his uh, determination to be tough on crime and to undue tolerance of crime that he says has plagued Louisiana in the recent past. He also talked about the federal government and the recent efforts to start to phase out oil and gas. We revel in the thriving of our economy. As we shape policy and seek solutions to the challenges of energy, exploration, production, conservation practices, and the protection of our environment. We shall seek and we shall heed all the science, not just the selective slices spoon-fed to us by those seeking to profit, in many cases, from the taxpayer-funded subsidies that disregard the health, the safety, and the employment security of our citizens. All the while hiding the truth about the real environmental footprints created by the lustful wealth by a chosen few and their reckless proposals. It is, a, it is time our policymakers consider all the facts without regard for the purchased influence that seeks to destabilize the economic security of our families and the energy policies of our state and of this nation. I think that following his strong words on crime, that was probably second in the strength of the terminology he used to be critical of the current federal policies on oil and gas. You will recall when he, when he was in Congress, uh, I think Obama was the president, and he held up a sign, drill, baby, drill, or something along those lines. There's no doubt <clears throat> as to where he stands with oil and gas exploration. He's in favor of drilling, and I think it's not going to be an either-or. It'll be all of the above that, that's available, uh, but it's not going to be to the detriment of the fossil fuel industry. Interestingly, though, his call for ending subsidies on other sources of fuel 
could hurt the oil and gas industry because many of those subsidies are actually going to big oil as they develop wind, as they develop algae-driven energy, as they bioenergies, as they develop alternate sources of energy. The big oil companies are on board, not moving nearly as fast as the Biden administration would like, but it will be an interesting path forward to see how those things interact because the oil industry, whether by necessity or out of choice, has begun to embrace many of these alternate fuel sources for the future, not nearly as quickly as as some on the left may want. But uh, Landry's terms on this were very clear. Yeah, I mean, if you read his words, literally, uh, taxpayer-funded subsidies that disregard health, safety, and the employment security of our citizens, not all taxpayer-funded subsidies, right? And I think he's talking about these that are proposed uh, by this administration and under the Obama administration that were made things mutually exclusive, right? <laughs> if this, then we're not doing that over there. And I think that's going to be the first uh, attack on, on that landscape as it relates to that in, in the state of Louisiana. More of the all of the above rather than A or B. Not one to the detriment of the other. The governor, the now governor, then governor-elect when he delivered this address last night, also talked about health care. The health and welfare of our families has been politicized to the point of endangerment and disregard for the dignity of our elderly and our suffering. All the while, the price we pay goes up, while the outcomes go down. Medical needs are changing as rapidly as the methodology of providing the services for those who need. It is our public and moral obligation to stay ahead of those changes and to develop more efficient, more expedient, and more conscientious practices in our hospitals, in our clinics, in our nursing homes. Home health care and telemedicine expands medical access to more and more Louisiana citizens and elevates their quality of life. It is my further belief that our medical professions, our doctors, our nurses, our therapists, our EMTs, and our first responders, and all of those who work to care for others are among our very finest. They carry the burden of healing others. They are a constant and utter failing inspiration, for they are the ones that provide comfort and hope. The healthcare policy decisions we make as a government cannot and will not be advanced without the benefit and input of their invaluable knowledge and their inspirational compassion. Yeah, I mean, I think this uh, goes right to the heart of a big issue of institutional um, advice and um, giving a seat uh, at the table of healthcare professionals more so than, than otherwise, uh, as opposed to some of the policy wonks in and around healthcare. Um, and I think that's going to be his approach on a number of issues of those in the practice that are out in the trenches, that they, they, he wants to ensure that they're going to have a seat at the table. Clearly addressing concerns about big insurance 
yep. dictating what treatments, what surgeries, what paths of, of treatment that people can seek based on cost analysis, not necessarily based on medical analysis. Yeah, and I think the way operationally things are going to work uh, that make no sense, right? The burden of... Uh, the paperwork and all that goes in uh, to to healthcare. It, healthcare is a, a very interesting economy, and it, it it almost runs counter to every business principle you ever learned in in, in college. You know, I sat on a on a board of a healthcare facility for over twenty years, and I was always amazed and always wondered, how do we make money? How do we do what we're doing? How does this work? You know, how, why are we making decisions that really doctors and physicians and others ought to be battling this out as to what's the prioritization of what equipment we purchase or otherwise? We actually affected some of those changes at, at that healthcare institution that I served on. Um, but it, it's an it was an interesting journey uh, to to watch it unfold, and it's going to be it, it's a it's an issue, it, it, which brings me to another thing that was not in his inaugural address, and that was homeowner's insurance, flood insurance, and the challenges that we're having. We know that Tim Temple is the incoming insurance commissioner. That's all, he's all over it. Had talked about having a special session before the legislative session to deal with those issues. That has gone a little bit by the wayside. It looks like we have redistricting that we're compelled to do by virtue of court order crime and there's not just really truly not going to be enough time before the spec before the regular session starts which is why many expect there will be a number of efforts to alter change erase or otherwise affect what the state has tried to do on insurance rates and we've gotten several texts on the Oakland or jewelers talking text line at 504-260-1870 people saying that's one thing they wish they would have heard in the inaugural address is something about what is going to happen about the homeowners and flood insurance rates that are making life very challenging for many residents particularly in south louisiana jeff landry opened his address by talking about a new day coming by welcoming people home by encouraging those who have left the state perhaps to return to home, and he ended by expressing great pride in Louisiana. There is no place like Louisiana, and nowhere are there fabulous people like you. And I love Louisiana. If I had a hundred lives to live, I would live them all in Louisiana. So tonight, we celebrate Tonight, I welcome you home. The rich and historical examples of our great state shall be shown fighting back, bouncing back, coming back again and again, because that's what motivates me every day. From this day forward, with all that I am, with all that I have, to serve the greatest people on earth. Now Governor Jeff Landry. You can hear his entire inaugural address and read the text of it on our website at WWL.com. So speaking to the testament of the, the perseverance, the will of the people of the state of Louisiana, he touched upon that a lot during this speech. And when you think about how hard we fought back to come home in the aftermath of Katrina, you were there reporting, you know, live. I was in the streets as uh, 
the chief deputy of the, of the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office and understanding the trials and tribulations that our constituencies faced in trying to come back and then storm after storm after storm. Other parts of the country experienced the pandemic. We experienced the pandemic and a lot of other challenges, yes. weather challenges on top of that at the same time. Um, hurricane and, after hurricane, after hurricane, hurricane after hurricane, and ha- after hurricane, Wildfires and actually, and it was a hallmark, I think, to the success of the Edwards administration. I think his military training at West Point, his principles of leadership, helped bring him through uh, that. But it was the will and the perseverance of the people of the state of Louisiana that rises up each and every time and we come back. And I think it was uh, the governor's recognition of that, Governor Jeff Landry's recognition of that that was telling throughout his inaugural address. Now, the governor of the state of Louisiana for the last 53 minutes, Jeff Landry, is now Louisiana's governor. And we'll see where we go from here. I think we got a bit of a roadmap from that inaugural address, but clearly we did not get turn-by-turn directions. We not only want him to succeed, we need him to succeed, right? And congratulations to uh, Jeff Landry, the incoming administration, and all of the uh, new folks and the folks that were are returned to the state legislature. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. We are back, folks, and Scoot joins us on a manic Monday. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Well, let's, get, well, let's see. Can we get this mic on? Yeah, this, this one's on. Folks, you got to see this. He's jumping from mic to mic to mic. We don't know where, where we're supposed to be. Okay, so look, we'll talk about the rain and the, the saint season, and it was really uh, frustrating and disappointing, but we'll talk about that and Jameis Winston. and You were um, in the Superdome yesterday. What yeah, was your was reaction when they ran that touchdown? Well, when I first saw it, I thought, go, you're on the yeah. field to score. I mean, go, but I didn't know the backstory there. So we'll, we'll talk about the backstory of all, but I think you're on the field, you score. Yeah. But so the victory formation, uh, you know, a lot of people miss that, right? Yeah, a lot of people, though, worried about the connection between the coaches and the players. And now what happens next year when we play Atlanta? Yeah, if somebody comes flying over the line of scrimmage and hitting your quarterback. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you again in the morning. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.